I'm Matthew McCabe. Welcome to Miracle Voices. Each episode, we will be delving into stories of forgiveness, healing, and transformation that have come about from integrating the principles of the book, A Course in Miracles. If you want to learn more about A Course in Miracles, visit www.acim.org. If you'd like to visit the Miracle Voices site, please go to www.miraclevoices.org. If you feel inspired to make a love offering, please visit us at miraclevoices.org forward slash donate. All donations go to support the work of the Foundation for Inner Peace, the publisher of A Course in Miracles. Now here's your program. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another edition of Miracle Voices. This is your co-host, Matt McCabe. I'm here with my co-host, Tam Morgan. Tam, how are you doing today? I am so glad to be here. I'm so glad to be here with you, too. Yes. Is there somebody else you're talking about, Tam? I'm talking about <laughs> Alan. I'm just kidding. I just tried to, yeah. Who's in the room with us, Tam? Who do you see? <laughs> Alan Cohen, welcome to Miracle Voices. Hey, good to be here. Thanks for inviting me, Matt. <laughs> yes, of course. Many of you may know of Alan for, as being the author of A Course in Miracles Made Easy. That was my first introduction to you, Alan. And what a great book. What a great book that is. In fact, a lot of uh, guests have mentioned that book uh, when they come on the show as pivotal for them as it was for me. So great contribution there. Thank you. It seems to have a life of its own, so I'm really honored to be a part of it. And where are you sitting today, Alan, so we can all be a little bit jealous? I am on the beautiful island of Kauai, Hawaii. Uh, It's about 6.37 in the morning here, and the sun is rising, and... uh, I will send a little aloha to everybody who's listening through the radio. Mm, wonderful. Thank you for waking up early for this. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, it's a good good excuse to get up early and see God shine on the world. <laughs> well, Ellen, I think a great place to start would be to learn how A Course in Miracles came into your life. It was around 1980, just a few years after The Course came out, and um I had heard about it informally and seen a couple ads for study groups on bulletin boards. And to be honest, I was kind of skeptical about it because I thought miracles, I thought it was some kind of psychic parlor trick. So I kind of kept it at a distance. And then there was an ad in Psychology Today. Tam, do you happen to have that? Did you ever see that? Yes, I have it in our archives. I'd love to see it again sometime. But... um, and it was kind of a hokey picture. They showed a guy walking down the street with three golden books falling to him out of heaven. So I thought, I'll oh, give me a break. And um, I read the article, and something in me said, do this, in spite of my skepticism. And so it was the Holy Spirit saying, you must do this. And so I um, shelled out 30 bucks, which was a lot for me at the time. I was only paying 150 bucks rent each month. So it was a big investment. And I remember the cardboard box came with the three hard covers that you all remember. And um, I opened the introduction and um, it jumped out at me. Like, you know, the Batman movies where it goes, pal? Yeah. <laughs> well, um, something said, you know, this is good stuff. This is really true. So go with it. And I did. And uh, the rest is history. Did you see your life start to change at all or your relationships, Alan, when you started delving into A Course in Miracles? Um, Well, yes, but in addition to that, that was the year I wrote my first book, The Dragon Doesn't Live Here Anymore. Mm -hmm. 
and um, simultaneously was doing the course for the first year. And the the course really seeped into that book. I mean, um, it was, you know, like it was a simultaneous study. And so that was the first big effect it had on me was it really uh, made my writing holy. And um, and slowly, you know, sometimes I say, I think I must be the worst student of the course because I'm still working on it. And every time I do it, it feels like the first time. Uh, gradually, over the years, um, my my penchant for anger and upset and guilt has been shortened. I still still comes up, but it's been shortened and shortened. So I have it's a tool that helps me deal with the upsets of my being human when I am. And so um, there's nothing like it. There's nothing like a course in miracles. It's it's just such a holy holy gift to the planet. Hmm. You know, you say uh, about you being the uh, slowest learner that I don't know if you know this, but I've said it before that the group that uh, I did with my mother, where we were studying the course in the last couple of years of her life, she called it the slow learners group because she was still doing it. Yeah. So, so, and my calendar, even now, every Wednesday afternoon, like the reminder comes for the SLG is the slow. (laughs) So you're not alone. Well, (laughs) You know, when I read, this is a one-year course, I always laugh <laughs> because I don't know anybody. This is a, did it in the years. Okay, I'm done. What's the next? You know, as you all well, well know, it, it just goes on and on. It keeps going deeper. But yeah. When my mother met um, her third husband, my stepfather, Whit, um, he had, she said, you know, have you ever heard of the course? And he said, oh, yeah, yeah, I did it. I did it in just a couple of months. <laughs> and she looked at him and she said, excuse yeah. me. And he said, oh, yeah, I did a few lessons a day at a time. <laughs> <laughs> she just thought, huh. <laughs> Literally, did he know what he was getting into with your mom? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. 27 translations later that he yeah. oversaw. Yeah, no. wow. <laughs> he did it wow. for his whole, and he ended up in the SLG group. Wow. Good <laughs> yeah. story. Yeah. Well, Ella, would you mind sharing the forgiveness story? Yeah, um, I have three, if I may. I, if I took you quick to heart, would that be okay? Sure. So they're all short. I love them. Um, so in my 20s, I and four other hippie guys moved into a conservative neighborhood, and we were smoking pot and taking acid, and we weren't quite the match for the neighborhood. <laughs> and we had big parties, and... Um, our neighbors were not pleased as punch to have us over here. And so there was one particular neighbor next door that we were not getting along with. I call her Mrs. Ryan. And it was just ongoing hassles. And then one night I went to a lecture. Um, it was a positive thinking lecture. And the teacher said, uh, just call somebody to mind that you're not getting along with. And, of course, Mrs. Ryan popped into my mind. And he said, just, you know, take a moment and find a place for this person in your heart. Just just send them kind thoughts. And so I was able to just drop into some kindness for this woman. I just, I just, I realized she was a nice person. And I just wished her well for one minute, one minute. The next day, I'm in my garden and Mrs. Ryan comes to the fence. And I thought, what's she going to complain about now? And she said, well, you know... I've been thinking, and um, we haven't gotten along, but I'd like to start over with you guys. I think you're probably really nice boys, and 
And so let's let's renew, let's recreate our relationship. Well, I almost dropped my tomatoes because <laughs> you know this is completely out of character for our relationship. And I consider that a scientific experiment that the only thing that changed, the only thing that changed was one night I sent this woman one minute maximum of kind thoughts, and I believe that sent out a ripple of energy into the universe, and there was a place in her that was capable of receiving it, and it awoken something in her, and it changed our relationship from one minute of good vibes. That's beautiful. <laughs> And then, and then, were you actually friends with her, or you're just copacetic? We got along, you know. <laughs> we didn't, you know, smoke pot or anything together. But she was, <laughs> we, you know, it was. We had a happy neighbor neighbor relationship. That was that was that was good. After that, that was enough. We were happy with that. Nice, nice. Yeah. And then story number two. Um, at the beginning of my career, I had a friend named Carolyn who. I uh, was a reporter for a big new age type of magazine. And she said, I'd like to do an interview with you. And I got all excited because I figured, oh, well, this will really enhance my career. Got a good promotion. And then she didn't follow up on it. And weeks went by and months went by. And I kept getting irritated, more and more irritated. Well, why don't you do it? You know, what's the problem here? Well, you said you would do it. And I I got steamed up to the point that it it messed up my relationship with her, at least at least my attitude toward it. And then one day, another meditation. So I just sat down. I did some course lesson. I forget what it was. And I just decided that our relationship was more important than the interview. And what's the use of having an interview? It messes up your love for somebody. And so I just released her. Okay, if you want to do it, great. If not, I, just, I love you anyway. And the moment I got up from the meditation, the exact moment I got up from the meditation, the phone rang. Hey, Alan, this is Carolyn. Are you ready for the interview? <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I think spirit gives us these timing synchronicities that show us that this stuff is not random, that yeah. our thoughts do have effects, and we when we forgive something, Something actually happens. Yeah, that's amazing. These expressions of love come through. It's like you uh, you pulled the string on the. You're saying, "Holy Spirit, pull the string on this knot for me. I'm ready yeah. to let it go." Yeah. Boop. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And then story number three. Uh, in college, I in graduate school, I was um there was this retreat it was like a human relations training retreat for the college students and i was one of the group leaders there were like a dozen groups and there was another leader a professor who did not like how i was leading my group and so in the bunkhouse he began to criticize me for what he had heard about my group and he was drunk it was after hours and uh, I sassed him. I was I took offense, and I was sarcastic with him. I sassed him back, and he lunged at me to punch me. <laughs> this is a psychology professor, right? And um, fortunately, there were other people in the room. They they restrained him, and it was a pretty nasty interaction. Well, the weekend ended, and we we didn't speak, and this bugged me for years. 
And I went to a Christmas gathering where somebody read from the Bible, and they read Jesus's uh, statement that what, what's the use of bringing a gift to the altar of God if you have contention with your brother? He said, make peace with your brother and then come back and give your gifts. So I realized that, you know, I was praying and meditating, being a good good spiritual person, but I was still held a pain about this, this interaction. And so I wrote this man a letter. And I said, well, you know, I'm sorry about that interaction. I apologize for my part in it. So let's, if we can, let's get over it. And I prefer to consider our friendship like a fine wine that took time to mellow over the years. Short letter, but that was it. And so I went to the post box to to drop this letter in, and all of a sudden this wave of fear rippled over me, like, you know, what if he comes back and punches me again? What if he laughs at me? What if he never answers? And I realized that I had to do what I had to do, regardless of his response. So in spite of my resistance, I dropped the letter in the box, and the moment I did, I felt free, like I did what I had to do. And the truth is, I never heard from him. But the point of sending the letter was not to hear from him or elicit a particular response. The point was for me to do my release work in harmony and love, and I did. And I was free after that, of that particular interaction. So it's a little different for forgiveness story because there's no dramatic response from the other person. But the point is that um, I was in integrity with myself. And, you know, he did with it whatever he did. And, you know, I, I was whole unto my heart, and that's all that mattered. So there you go. Well, that's great. Yeah, I love I love that one because it really, you know, yes, we have all the amazing ones where instantly the other person responds, but it's really important to remember that it's not about whether the other person responds or not. It's where you are within your own self and how you can walk it. Yep. And you know, it, it, that's the number one response we're looking for. That's how it works. It's all about inner peace. Helen, I wonder if you could tell that that uh, that little story about the duck from A Course in Miracles Made Easy, because I think it really illustrates a, a point. Yeah, it's a and famous, I don't know it. It's a famous story, so I'm happy to tell. It's a true story. So uh, I used to live in this uh, spiritual, organic farming community in upstate New York, and um, there was a main house and there was a bunkhouse. And one morning, I was sitting on the bunkhouse porch watching people walk to breakfast. And we had this little duck named Pete, little white duck. And so Pete would sit between the two buildings and quack at people walking by. And so the first person to walk by was um, a professional singer. And as Pete quacks at her, quack, 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 she goes, why, Pete? How nice of you to sing me a morning song. <laughs> and I thought, how interesting. A professional singer sees a duck quack, and she thinks he's singing a song. How interesting. The next person to walk by, this is a true story. I'm not making this up. The next person to walk by was an overweight lady. And as Pete quacks at her, quack, 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 quack. She's like, Pete, always quacking for more food. <laughs> Why don't you stick to your diet? 
well, this is getting really interesting now. And the next guy to walk by was a um, an architect, a very intellectual architect. Pete quacks with him, quack, 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 quack. Pete always questions Pete. Why don't you give me some answers for a change? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, now all I saw is duck quacking. I don't know what this is about my consciousness, <laughs> but that was my understanding of what's happening. So to me, it was the perfect teaching on projection. That, of course, of course, says many times in many ways that there is no world. The world is basically a blank screen onto which we project our consciousness. And here these three people projected their consciousness onto a neutral duck. Mm -hmm. And uh, to me, that was, you know, that was an implicit, uh, explicit instruction and projection. One of the major themes, of course, in miracles. Mm. Yeah. It's great to say it sounded kind of in the beginning like you were starting a joke. Three people walked into a bar and there was a <laughs> Well, it was kind of funny, but it was yeah. a true story as well. <laughs> yeah. And and you were seeing just as it was, or as it seemed to be. I mean, obviously you saw a duck, so there was a projection in the first place, but yeah. <laughs> you know, you know, there, I mean you know, a spiritual mess, you might have seen God instead of a duck. I, I, was, I was in duck consciousness. <laughs> absolutely true. That's interesting. It reminds me, I did work um, in my early 20s and late teens with blind children. And mm -hmm. I was teaching them how to sense color, um, supposedly through their hands. And because an experiment had been done on me where Jerry Jampolsky would put all of these different colors one at a time under my hand and I was blindfolded and double blindfolded and I would say what color it was. And I seemed to have a good talent for that. And so I, I started to teach these different children. And what happened would be when one little girl would put, who was actually overweight and loved food, um, she put her hand over colors and they became flavors to her. So yellow, she started to distinguish when her hand was over the color yellow, she could kind of bring up the taste sensation of lemon or orange was orange, you know, purple was grape, which was really amazing. Wow. And then another kid who was a drummer, every time he put his hand over, um, you know, a different color, it was a different kind of beat that came like yellow was much quicker and um Red was was kind of angrier. Angry is the wrong word because he didn't use anger. It was just stronger with more force. And each kid interpreted it through their own particular interests. And mm. when I would run into someone who was, you know, very literal and scientific, I found myself kind of defending in, in a way that a teen or someone in their 20s might uh to say, oh, yes, well, it's the different emissions of heat that come off the color so that they can tell the difference. And that would make sense to that person because the others totally made no sense. Mm, wow. Fascinating. And, you know, then the scientist person could say, oh, yes, well, okay, so they've become extremely in tune to the different heat that's being reflected or drawn in, like black you know, more of an absence of heat where white was totally reflected. So they could easily tell the difference if you put those two different cards and, you know, under their box. So, but there is some connection in this um, with a kind of positive way to 
project the ego in order to become one and see without the eyes. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Have you guys ever seen of there's a documentary? Um, I think her name is Jacqueline. I'm not sure. Uh it's on it's on Netflix. A very intelligent woman who um is seeking to prove the paranormal. Uh sorry, I'm not remembering his name. Uh, but she shows this experiment in England where they're teaching kids to literally read a book with with blindfolds. And I don't know how they did it, but uh, mm -hmm. several different kids were blindfolded. They pick up this book, and they were literally reading the words of this book exactly as they were blindfolded. Mm -hmm. And it reminds me of the courses teaching that, you know, we, we think we see with the physical eyes, but that's not really what vision is. Right. Uh, apparently, Edgar Casey used to read books by putting them under his pillow at night. Right. <laughs> I wish I knew that in college. <laughs> me too. I tried. <laughs> I really did. <laughs> but, that, yeah. That uh, story about the duck, Alan, I actually still think about all the time whenever, like, a dog runs up to me or something and I pet it. I normally am saying something to the dog as I do like this. My, my neighbor here has this little, uh, little French bulldog. And I say, Oh, you got a little coat on today. Aren't you, you know, looking good and ready for the season. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, I'm, I'm doing what Alan is talking about here. This like, uh, there's this dialogue going on, but I'm not really even aware of what's coming out entirely. And I think about that after the, the interaction with the animal, like, Oh, I'm, projecting something on isn't it interesting to hear what comes out yeah yeah well you know dogs are very intelligent so you might actually be hearing what they're saying to you <laughs> my our dogs talk to us all the time it's a it's a real conversation for us <laughs> yeah they do communicate on some levels not well they, they understand language but you can tell like there's definitely something going on there oh they're so tuned in if I if I ever get upset uh, when I used to, <laughs> less less and less, but I would go, oh shit, or you know, this is something on my computer, and my dog would immediately come up to me and start cuddling me. Oh, he, he absolutely knows he could he could feel my upset. And he, in fact, one of our dogs was injured for a while, and the other dog, we have two dogs, he would come up and just sit next to him and snuggle him and. It was so, so very clear that his intention was to heal the other guy, and he did. I mean, eventually he was healed. But just to feel this dog's compassion and awareness that somebody else needed help, wow, what a teaching. Yeah. Although you think of it from another perspective, and it's kind of positive reinforcement to curse and be angry. The dog's going to come. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, Alan, you teach course principles. You 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 wrote the book Course in Miracles Made Easy. What question or problem do people come to you with the most that you feel like you're able to give them an answer uh, that helps them or points them in the right direction? Well, absolutely, relationships is the number one answer. Um, you know, most people are struggling with one relationship or another. And, you know, I think the Course's key key teaching is relationships. It even says that. It says, you know, there are many paths to God, but if you want to heal your relationships, you're going to make the most progress. That's the express route, express train to healing. And, 
you know, I, I often work with people on a, a psychic level. I, I'll tell them, okay, and here's your homework. Uh, for five minutes a day, sit and call this person to you in, in spirit and just look into their eyes and see beyond your upset, see beyond their body, see beyond their personality, and connect from, connect with them heart to heart, wholeness to wholeness, spirit to spirit, God to God. And um, I, I promise them if you do that for five minutes a day, something's going to shift. At the very least, something will shift in you, and you'll you'll be free in your heart, and quite likely something will be shift in the manifested relationship. And they love this, and they come back with glowing reports weeks or months later and say, yeah, that really shifted my relationship. So, you know, everybody has some relationship pain, and the Course is the best teaching I've ever seen to to assuage that pain and replace, you know, separation with connection. Yeah, yeah. And look how it was birthed. I mean, it was birthed in an untenable yeah. relationship where, you know, the, the call out was there must be a better way. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, its whole formulation was based, and, and highly, you know, with two highly intelligent <laughs> and acclaimed psychologists. So, yeah. yeah, yeah, that would make sense. So, Alan, when you get um, an ego strike or backlash, I don't know how often it happens to you, but... What what do you do to get back on track? It must be particularly frustrating when you're not feeling good and you look out the window and you're like, I'm in Hawaii. I have no excuse. Hey, but it's because something's coming up and you're like, how can how can this be? I got I, this course isn't working. I got to get back on track. What, what do you do to you know get back into like an awareness state? Well, obviously there are many course lessons that address this, and some of my favorites are um, I could see peace instead of this. And the moment I realize that peace is a viable option here and I do not have to stay stuck, um, then then a shift. That, that's, that's the big shift for me. I could choose peace. I could see peace instead of this. And the other one I use more and more lately is kind of the non-dual lesson, nothing really happened. Um, you know, Papaji, Punjaji, uh, he has a video called "Nothing Really Happened." <laughs> I think that you don't even have to watch the video. I think the title says it all. And then I was listening to the recording, of course, recording, um, which I'm forever indebted to the foundation for the original recording of the course. That lovely man just did such a beautiful job. Jim, was that his name? Uh, yep. Yeah. yeah. What, a, what a great, what a great choice! What a beautiful job he did. And it said something like, it was from the text, I forget exactly, but it says something like, um, you know, your errors never really occurred. You, know, you, have to, you just have to realize that what you think your errors didn't really happen. And I realized, well, if this never, never really happened, if my error is somebody else's error, then what am I upset about? And so to me, that's the, that concept is the great neutralizer. And it's all a big dream. And I just made up a story that's hurting me or somebody else. So uh, let's let's wake up from this and recognize that it's it, it, it's just a story I made up, and I don't have to stay in that story if I don't want to. Yeah, that's great. Also, just so you know, um, we are about to launch the Foundation for Inner Peace is about to launch um, an audio app, and so he can 
read it to you daily, your lessons, because mm. we're one of the voices we're using are Jim's. Great. Yeah. Thank you so much. It's a, that whole that whole recording is such a blessing. I've, I've used it for 40, well, I don't know how long recording has been out, but as long as recording has been out, I've been using it. So thank you. Well, and I'm excited about the app too. That's really, that's really it's, great it's news. Really, yeah. I think it's going to be really wonderful. Um, but we also used his voice originally because he sounded so much like Bill Thetford. Aha. Uh-huh. I mean, incredibly like Bill. So, Beautiful. yeah. Well, Helen, we have a, a fun question for you. What is your favorite comfort food? Papaya. There's <laughs> a good place then. I think papaya is the, uh, the sweetest thing that God ever created. And so I, fortunately, I'm in Hawaii and I get good papayas here. So I'll, I'll eat papaya in one form or another every morning. It's so almost there. like uh, like a nature's butter because it just dissolves yeah. so quickly. It's yeah. amazing. It really is. And then I also love the metaphor because, you know, when you open a papaya, there's literally hundreds of seeds inside of it. And I've planted and grown papaya on my property. And, you know, one papaya, one papaya seed will grow one papaya tree, which will produce hundreds of papayas, which, you know, have thousands of seeds, each of which will grow thousands and millions and billions of papayas potentially. And so to me, that's just a metaphor that, you know, every thought we think and every word we speak and every action we take is a a seed that has the potential to recreate itself thousands or millions or billions of times over. And so when I clean out the papaya seeds, I hate to throw them away, but you can't can't use them all. Um, Someone said that of apples that um, anybody can count the number of seeds in an apple but only God can count the number of apples in a seed. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I like that. Um, Matt jumped to that before I had a, a little question. Sure. Oh, sorry. Um, no, no, just quite all right. We don't have to be so linear. Um, which is, um, what do you find are the things that actually, even though they're much more rare for you, the things that do get you? Meaning, you know, trap you so that you have to remember I could choose peace instead of this. Um, yeah. What kind of things do you find? Are they a theme? Uh, yeah, yeah. Is it a- uh, it, patience is not one of the blessings that I've been bestowed with in my life. Uh-huh. Um, I tend to get impatient. That's probably the thing that bugs me more than anything else. So um, I hate standing in lines. I don't like traffic jams. Um mm-hmm. Like even last night, I accidentally cut in front of somebody in the health food store. I didn't know there was a line. <laughs> and I, I went to pay and they said, excuse me, sir, there's people lined up. I didn't see the line. Uh, talk about selective perceptions. <laughs> <laughs> and so um, I I get to practice patience probably more than any other thing I need to get to practice. So I'm, I'm more and more aware of when I'm impatient. And uh, I used to just be impatient, not be aware of it. And now I just, okay, I'm being impatient. I'm going to just take a breath and uh, recognize that even if I have to stand in line, there's something beautiful about where I'm standing. And I could see peace instead of this. And I can practice trusting that even if there's some traffic, I'll get to my, my destination on time. 
And so I, I get to practice patience. That's that's one of the opportunities, forgiveness opportunities I have. Uh, I can really relate to that one. Um, I, I was always a, an atrocious line cutter because I'm so little and I get kind of invisible. <laughs> and, and I find, you know, to practice the patience, which I've been much more um, focused on in the mm. past years, I, you know, I hear God is in between the lines and I take that literally, you know, I'm, I'm really trying to see in between the spaces, even in between the lines, uh, you know, of sentences, uh, that mm. there, that space is really the place I want to be. And also the incredible release of trust that if someone cuts in front of me or if there's traffic, it's because the timing has already been orchestrated as to when I'm supposed to be somewhere. And so I keep saying, oh, okay, now I'm not supposed to be there the time I thought I was supposed to be there. Thank you. Or if someone cuts in front of me, thank you. You might've saved my life from an accident. Right. Oh, and all of those thoughts come in just to be helpful tools to experience the patience and, um, and the, laughter for me now when people cut in front of me of like oh yeah because i'm from new york and we did that <laughs> so good for you good for yeah. you um but but it is a practice it's really a practice yeah. and some people seem to have been born with it um yeah especially if we're from back east in new york in particular it's it kind of you're <laughs> born with something else well, when I get up, it's set in traffic. I say Jersey Al is coming. I grew up in New Jersey, right? Mm -hmm. So, oh, Jersey Al just made an appearance. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. So, How about uh, you, Matt? Can I ask you what what's the cutting edge of your learning these days? May I ask? The cutting edge of my learning. Well, gosh, I think you know we've my wife and I have been practicing a lot. Uh, this you know being in the awareness. Uh, you know, and just not being in the presence of the awareness that is witnessing, you know, the mat figure go around. And it's not a lot a part of the day, but it's enough where it's a total game changer. And it is really having a powerful impact. Like it's just a total shift where it's like, okay, there's this presence. That's the Holy Spirit, the, the mat duality figure. Um, I'm normally totally identified with. But when I can get in that zone, you know, the holy instant and just feel the presence and just kind of watch everything happen, that is just so nice because it just mm -hmm. feels like, you know, just watching this waltz and I, none of it, none of it's a big deal. Mm, beautiful, beautiful. The thing that's been getting me the most, because it's been coming up so much that I know it's my lesson, is when I, you know, when I'm incredibly kind or caring or do something for someone and they're angry with me for apparently no reason and something will come up and they will completely assign a different motive than what I had given it. Um, and it feels like so incredibly unfair because I'm being attacked or accused of stuff that it's just not in my heart or my mind. And navigating through that is um, is still challenging for me, um, and so I I 
go deep into my practice to say it is okay that this person is triggered and experiencing whatever they're experiencing that my energy brings about. And sometimes the more loving I am, the more difficult reactions I can get from people. Yeah. Yeah. And so getting out of, wait, that's not fair. Uh, that mentality, like completely letting it go and just yeah. keep on being loving and saying, it's okay. It's okay what they're projecting. That's a big practice. Thank you for reporting that. Um, you know, I see things in metaphors, and uh, uh, my teacher used to say, if you give somebody a gift, you don't get to boss what they do with it. And so years ago, I went to visit Bali, and there's this beautiful temple up on a cliff called Oluwatu. And you have to hike up there. And then there's a big monkey forest next to this open-air temple. And so we went to this Hindu ceremony, very beautiful. But he had their dhoti on and put their bananas and apples and oranges on the altar as a gift. And very lovely ceremony, chanting, praying. And as we're leaving the ceremony, <clears throat> all these monkeys swoop into the open-air temple and they jump on the altar and start eating the bananas and stuff. <laughs> so I was outraged, and it was, it was, it was, there was a priest, right? And so I said, hey, the priest is sweeping up the floor. So I said, hey, the monkeys are eating all the bananas. He said, yeah, they do that every day. <laughs> <laughs> and, and the metaphor for me was if you give God a gift and God decides to give the gift to the monkey, that's not your business. Yeah. And so uh, it's a metaphor for, you know, being detached from if you're kind to somebody or give them a physical gift or money or help them in some way, and they don't get it or they don't thank you or they don't respond in kind or they get upset with you, not your business. You know, God, you gave the gift, and what God does with that gift is God's business, not, not the ego's. Mm -hmm. and, and it really speaks to expectations. Right. When you let go of expectations, then everything, you know, everything is available. And back to your seed, the seeds, the monkeys can spread the seeds to create more bananas. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's wonderful. Does it work that way? Well, they do have, you know, the, in, you know, Western hemisphere, a lot of the <laughs> bananas don't have seeds anymore, but, um, bananas have seeds and they're smaller and denser in other parts of the world uh like more like meat and uh so you know that you can spread the seeds from the banana that way well i just learned something there you go there you go. Yeah. <laughs> perfect well, alan this has been an absolute joy uh to get to know you a little bit better and to you know hear some of your stories is there anywhere we can point listeners where they can connect with you online, your website or social media or anything, and maybe tell us about sure. your courses um, and books? My website, excuse me. <clears throat> my website is my name, alancohen.com, A-L-A-N-C-O-H-E-N. Um, I have lots of Course in Miracles materials on the site. Uh, I do a life coach training twice a year, a holistic life coach training with a certification. I have a bunch of books and, uh, I have a YouTube channel, which can be directed to from that website, and uh, lots of offerings, a bunch of free stuff and some pay stuff. And uh, uh, come come meet me on my website. I'd love to see you guys there. Oh, that'd be great. Great. Thank how you. Many, thank you. This question, Alan, how many rainbows do you see a year, would you say? <laughs> oh, I don't know. I don't count them. Maybe every third day I'll see one. Look at that. 
Wonderful. We live in the rainy section, so we get to see them quite a bit. It's and I never take them for granted. I always oh, stop and look at them. One of the most magical moments of my life was seeing a snow bow. Wow. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I it was um up in Hopland, California, and it had just snowed and um there was some rain down below and this huge rainbow came in the snow. And I have a picture of myself on one end and a friend on the other of this gorgeous snowbow wow i didn't even know it was possible i never even heard of that thank you for telling me yeah yeah, yeah. so hey, alan thanks again for coming on miracle voices and sharing your miracle voice we really appreciate it well thank you for asking me i've been listening for years and i'm really impressed with the work you're doing so i'm honored to play with you thank you both for your service well thank you and we hope you come back yes i will invite me and i'll show up we will Thanks so much for listening today. Please subscribe to Miracle Voices by hitting the subscribe button on your podcast app. If you are enjoying these conversations, please consider leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or whatever podcast app you use. And lastly, please visit us at miraclevoices.org and join our newsletter so we can stay connected. Until the next podcast, I want to leave you with my favorite course quote, when you want only love, you will see nothing else. Nothing else.